Hitting revenue targets is hard and requires constant hustle. Last quarter's success is already forgotten. Learn the mindset and tactics of today's most successful revenue producers in B2B marketing and sales. We call this the revenue hustle. I'm your host, Tom Hessen, navigating you on this journey. Today's show is sponsored by Nine Lenses, an interactive assessment platform that enables you to add instant value to your buyers and allows your sales team to tailor business conversations focused on the pain points each and every time. Check them out at NineLenses.com. All right. This is Tom Heston, the host of The Revenue Hustle, and it is my distinct pleasure to, mar- to welcome Mark Tact to the show. Mark, welcome to The Revenue Hustle. Hey, thanks, Tom. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, so I can't wait for today's conversation. Mark brings a tremendous amount of marketing experience. He's a six-time CMO, two times at a public company, two times it's private equity-backed, and two VC-backed companies, all in the data and tech space. Mark, that sounds like a glutton for punishment, knowing um, what it's like to be at a VC and private equity-backed company. So you managed to tell the tales. I can't wait to um, get into your background, but why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself? Yeah, it's been a fun ride, that's for sure. Not always easy, but most of the time it's been fun. And, uh, you know, I started my career really with an entrepreneurial mindset. I always thought I was going to start my own company. And still always, that's like my ultimate dream in life is to have my own company. And being a head of marketing and CMO has has been my uh, my stepping stone, if you will. And it's been great. Um, there's a lot of things that have gone well, some things I've learned the hard way that I can certainly share on this call. Um, I also have a really fun time teaching. So I'm a professor at DePaul University, uh, updated and teach a class on how to create marketing plans. So I love working with students. I help. Uh, the university create about 30 to 40 marketing plans a year wow. doing that. So that keeps my um, energy levels high and my knowledge base pretty, pretty fresh. So I enjoy doing that too. Awesome. Well, Mark, we're going to jump right into it here. What is your first revenue rule? It's all about the pipeline. So, you know, in B2B marketing, you look at a lot of different things, right? To, to run a, a marketing organization, you're looking at brand building, you're looking at product marketing, you're looking at sales enablement. Of course, you're looking at demand gen and uh, ways to stimulate demand. But the one thing I've learned is everything that a B2B marketing organization does really should and certainly can focus on creating pipeline for the sales team. So when I'm talking to people that are planning events or doing PR campaigns, I'm asking them, how much pipeline is that gonna generate? When I'm talking to product marketing people and they're looking to launch a new product, I'm asking, how much pipeline is that going to create? You know, when I'm talking to demand gen people, that's the easiest place within marketing to have this kind of conversation. And, you know, my take is um, the, the more that an entire marketing org can be unified around a singular focus, which is creating pipeline for the sales organization, um, it changes things. You know, it, it really changes the level of prioritization. And usually when I'm working with a marketing team, they'll realize that maybe a third up to perhaps a half of what they're working on really isn't going to directly tie to pipeline. So um, I'm not saying that brand building isn't important because it certainly is. And having that buzz and visibility in the marketplace is crucial. So I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm saying put your frame in your overall strategy and how you measure success around how those programs 
ultimately create meetings for the sales organization that turns into opportunities in the pipeline. Yeah, no, I'm sure you're, uh, that's music to sales leaders' ears. Uh, I think that is not always the case because, you know, it's, it's hard to generate pipeline, um, you know, especially demonstrating that marketing's activities are tied to pipeline. But I have seen that more and more marketing orgs are signing up for some amount of pipeline, right? So you probably have a, an approach, um, you know, you've got the annual revenue growth goal, right? Not everything comes, I mean, marketing touches everything, but not all pipeline is sourced from marketing. You could get referrals and, you know, so on and so forth from customers and so on. But um, it seems like this is becoming more accepted, but it for a long time was probably not common. Is that yeah, been your experience? Sure. Yeah, and every organization is a little different for um, how you measure the allocation of pipeline between marketing and sales. For some companies, it could be 80% pipeline from marketing. For other companies, it could be 20% from pipeline so, or from, from marketing. So the allocation really varies based on you know what the company is selling and who they're selling to and the, the go-to-market strategy. So it can really vary around the allocation. Um, but it's almost a mind shift. It's really a mind shift around uh, no matter what percentage of pipeline marketing is driving, whether that's 20% or 80%, it's a mind shift and a strategy shift around are you a pipeline first marketing organization? Um, or for your marketing leader, your CMO, your chief growth officer, are you a pipeline first CMO, right? When you wake up in the morning, are you looking at your list of all the marketing things you wanna get done and you, are you prioritizing based on how much pipeline can I drive um, with and for the sales organization? So it's, it's really a, it's more of a philosophical way to prioritize the work and unify the objective into a real precise focus that ultimately the CEO and the board cares about. What do they care about most? The people of the company and the culture, um, absolutely. And then the revenue growth of the organization. Um, obviously sales is in position. They get compensated based on how much revenue they can drive. So that's what they're waking up every morning thinking about. So if you've got a marketing organization that's waking up and not thinking about that, then you've got a problem. Well, how did you come to this? Like this, this sounds like something that you've obviously very firm in this belief because it wouldn't be your first revenue rule if it wasn't. And I can hear it in your voice. How did you arrive to this? I've lost my job because of this. Wow. And I think and I think a lot of CMOs have lost their jobs because of this. So I touched that oven once and it was really hot and it burned my hand. So I'm not going to let it happen again. Um, you know, you'll go into a business and they'll say, can you do redo our website? Can you know, our brand is embarrassing. Can you help us with our brand? Our messaging and our story is not compelling. Can you help us with that? You know, we want to get press articles and TechCrunch and VentureBeat. Can you help us with that? And the answer is, of course, but there's going to come a time probably in the first six to nine months where you get to a board meeting and you're talking to the CEO and, and they're going to say, oh, yeah, that stuff is nice. That feels good. But how come our pipeline is down? How come the sales team didn't hit the revenue target this quarter? Or if you're publicly traded company and you have an earnings call and you miss your earnings target, all those wonderful, important strategic brand building things are not gonna help answer the question with Wall Street as to why you missed your earnings target. So um, I've learned the hard way that um, while there's a lot of important things of the marketing engine 
and you have to do them all. When you think about your philosophical focus and how you prioritize your time and the sequencing too, um, the sequencing, it's a journey when you're building a marketing engine. I made the mistake a few times of starting with brand first, demand second, never again, never again. Um, always, always build your demand engine and your pipeline engine first. Because if you do that, then you will have an opportunity to be around for the board meetings three or four or five quarters wow. down the road well, to talk about I, the brand stuff. Well, I am not a marketer. I'm learning marketing, but I'm more of a sales guy at heart. And I think marketing is one of the hardest things for me to kind of get my head around, uh, around these sorts of, there's a million and one different things you can do, right? And yeah. you read a million and one different things on LinkedIn about what you should be doing and shouldn't be doing and 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 how you spend your money and not how you not should be spending your money. It, it's It's mind boggling trying to keep up with all these different things. Right. And I can see yeah. like knowing that I, I know my message needs to get better. I have a website that needs to get redone with the new messaging. I certainly need more pipeline at nine lenses for the team and hit our growth goals. I mean, we all do. Right. And and so I'm curious just how you, you know, juggle all of that, because certainly some things help. Right. Like if you have a better, tighter message, in theory, it helps you build pipeline and things of that nature. So maybe suboptimal demand gen or pipeline growth is better than zero. You know, is is that anyway, I'll just stop and let you unpack that. Yeah, you know, the roadmap for how to get from point A to point B is also another uh, principle, if you will, or or revenue rule. Um, I'll keep it tied to the whole number run one around pipeline, but <clears throat> when you create your roadmap, you know, short term, medium term, long term priorities, it's it's really important to look at the percentage allocation of emphasis, how much time you're spending on it, budget, how much budget dollars you're putting into it. Um, and then also just overall um, level of alignment across the company in terms of, are you going to push for this to be a cross-functional priority that's really visible? And it's not a matter of you can't do all those things. The question is, is what's the right stage? Is that something that needs to happen in the short term, the medium term, or the long term? So right. um, the roadmap that your growth leaders need to produce is um, one of the layers to that is, is a very strategic layer, which says, how are we going to build this marketing engine that doesn't exist today? And what's the sequencing? What are we going to do first, second, third? And what's the timing? What's going to happen in the first six months? What's going to happen in the second 12 months? what's gonna happen in the third 12 months. And you can really build a plan that people can rally around and people can feel comfortable with and people know when they're gonna see certain, certain things. So I always tell people, I, I rarely say, say no to things. Say yes, it's on the list and then manage expectations. Because a lot of things are great ideas. A lot of things are important priorities and projects. The answer is rarely no that we don't like that idea or that we don't have any plans to do it. The response I always think through is that's a great idea. Yes, that's important. Let me tell you how that fits into our roadmap and when we will be able to get to that um, and why. And then you can have a conversation around priorities. And if a company raises a round of funding and all of a sudden $50 million shows up, that can change things. Um, if the CEO is bullish on something and says, I want you to stop doing these six things so you can do these two things, that can change the order of things. But 
you know, a lot of marketing organizations are, are stuck in this reactive trap and they live week by week based on the needs of other people. And when you get into a reactive mode, it's painful. You know, I'm yet to meet a marketer who's happy in their job when they're in this environment. And when where, you say like reactive, like someone says, oh, hey, Mark, we should do this. Or why aren't we doing that? And you jump here and jump there. It's just the, the pull. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Just everyone's got yeah, a we need, idea. It's, it's the pull, right? It's, uh, it's stop what you're doing. I need your help for the next 48 hours to focus on this. It's we've got a sales pitch with a client. Stop what you're doing. This event came out of nowhere. Stop what you're doing. This press opportunity came out of nowhere. Stop what you're doing. Um, this digital marketing campaign isn't working. So we're going to redo it, you know? And it's not that you can't be agile and you can't be responsive to the needs of the business because we all know how quickly things change and needs come up. But if you don't have a plan at the beginning of the quarter for what your priorities are and what your roadmap is, you're going to have a really hard time managing the inevitable change that comes your way as a, as a marketing organization. So um, the roadmap and the plan is never going to happen the way you've laid it out. But by having one, it certainly will allow you to manage the inevitable um, pulls and tugs that hit a hit a marketing organization. Wow, that I mean, that's brilliant. I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of marketers. I've never had anyone share that with me, but I can see why that's so important. Because again, I I like to come up with ideas myself, right? I think a lot of us do. I think we're all part-time marketers, some more qualified mm -hmm. than others, right? And and so. I think that's one of the biggest challenges I have is I don't know, like as a CEO, like there's a lot of things I know what the sequence is, right? Like what the roadmap is for the business, right? You know, you are, you know, between the product and the sales team and the pitch and who our customer base is and all that kind of stuff. But to lay out a marketing plan, I mean, I couldn't be any further out of water in that regard, right? Is it the positioning? Is it the messaging? Is it the website? Like, or, you know, I don't know. And so when you go in there and have a roadmap, um, I can I can see that that'd be incredibly valuable. Um, how many people do you know how to create this roadmap? Because no one's ever told me about this kind of roadmap idea uh, in terms of constructing a marketing organization, right? Because that's where I'm at, yeah. I'm constructing. Yeah, well, think back to college, right? We've all took marketing classes in college. How many classes did you have that taught B2B marketing? You know, usually the answer is none, um, yeah. you know, in, in a um, educational academic setting, you know, nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10, the marketing that's taught is more for like B2C marketing, big brands, um, consumer centric uh, marketing, the four P's, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, fundamentally, some of those concepts are applicable and transferable to B2B, but, as we all know, B2B marketing is a whole different beast. Um, it's a different uh, strategy, it's a different focus. And the really the only way to get into this is you gotta, you gotta learn it. You, know, you learn on the fly. And um, from my first head of marketing job in a B2B organization to what I've done most recently, it's all been learning in the job. Um, so there's a lot of people out there, thought leaders, knowledgeable experts on the topic, and I bet most of them have all learned it through experience and the jobs that they've had and trying things and failing um, and trying different things, testing. And that's certainly my case, right? I didn't have a background 
in B2B marketing until my, my first head of marketing gig, you know, 25 years ago. And from there, it's just been a series of roll up the sleeves like an entrepreneur and learn as you go, learn how to be a head of marketing. Yeah. So how to, tell me a little bit about the roadmap, because obviously the roadmap is tied to this pipeline creation. And so you've, yeah. you've put things in the roadmap for a particular purpose. So can you just kind of, you know, high level overview of what that roadmap looks like? Yeah, I've got a white paper actually on my LinkedIn profile. It's called the Growth Engine ebook and um happy to obviously share that out with your yes. audience and yes. in that ebook there's an infographic that um, visually shows the growth engine and the growth engine is very holistic it starts with strategy at the top and then it gets into brand and demand and then in the middle is the heartbeat of the growth engine which is pipeline which you may have seen coming given my earlier comments and then you actually get into okay now you have a funnel your product marketing and your sales enablement need to sit right next to your funnel to help the sales organization close deals, right? Because at the end of the day, we're looking for money closed one deals at the bottom of the funnel. So the marketing work at the lower and the middle of funnel, which I always think of as more product marketing and sales enablement centric, that is equally as important. It's all part of the overall growth engine. And then the bedrock of all this is the scoreboard. Um, and I'm going to save the scoreboard for the second revenue rule. Um, but that's the overall picture that I've seen throughout my career of the different components for marketing, how they all fit together, how they're all tied to creating pipeline. And again, I've got a pretty detailed ebook that goes through that um, in, a, in a good level of detail. So, you know, that's part of it when you look at a roadmap. It's like, what are we trying to build here, right? What does a world-class growth engine look like? So everybody has to answer that question for themselves. And every, every organization is going to be a little different. Once you've defined what the end state looks like, now you need to, if that's point B, now you need to look at, okay, where are we today? What's our current state? Where do we have strengths? Where do we have weaknesses? How much progress have we made across all aspects that we know are required for this growth engine to really work? And then you just got to really be honest with yourself and look in the mirror and give yourself a grade. Are we an A? Are we a B? Or are we a C? Where are we flunking? Where have we not even started the class yet in some of these key disciplines? And then it's like, how do you get from point A to point B? And that's where the roadmap comes in. And now you need to start putting a plan together of how you're going to build the capabilities that are required for your growth engine to work. Um, my favorite question from a CEO is, can you build that growth engine in a couple months? Like, it looks so simple. Like, it's all nice and clean and yeah, nice I get it, right? It's it's so simple. This infographic's so simple. I bet you can do that in a couple months, right? I'm like, listen, we can start to take baby steps and you will see a remarkable change in a couple months. And we're gonna build a roadmap to get from where you are now to this end state. But getting to that end state can take 12 to 24 months to get to a truly world-class growth engine. And that's just my experience. Um, there are shortcuts. There are some things you can do to get there quicker. And I always work with my clients um, to do that. But at the end of the day, the amount of heavy lifting that goes on underneath the hood of a marketing engine will blow most people's minds. Um, and, and that's the level of... Um, that's the level of 
of work that needs to happen here. And for me, that's what makes this so fascinating and, and so exciting. It's figuring out this intricate puzzle of how all these components to this engine all fit together for the focus of building pipeline for sales. And so how confident are you now having gone through these experiences? Like, did you ever get a chance to implement the playbook like as it's constructed and you know, how has, you know, how, how did that change or, or create more yeah. pipeline? Like, uh, can you talk a little bit about how that's been implemented? Yeah. So after CMO gig number four, um, we had an exit and I was able to take the summer off and we had our second child and moved into a new house and, I was doing some reflecting and asked myself, you know, what have I learned? What have I seen? So I produced the first marketing engine uh, infographic like two and a half years ago, um, put it out there on LinkedIn. Um, quite a few people saw it and, and liked it and, you know, commented on kind of reacted to this marketing engine. And then after that, I went on to get two more CMO assignments and applied that framework in two other specific companies, one VC backed and one PE backed. And in those two new companies, I, I, as I applied it, I, I did learn a lot. In fact, I highlight those learnings in the opening part of this ebook. And then I produced the growth engine, which is really the kind of version 2.0 of the original marketing engine. So the growth engine ebook I'm talking about is, you know, what I learned after applying the original marketing engine twice. Here's the takeaways. Number one, the term myopic is, the term marketing is too myopic. This is not a marketing engine, this is a growth engine. If you're thinking that marketing is just a marketing engine, it's, you, you, you lose the focus of how important and how integrated marketing is with sales and product and delivery in the, the C-suite. So that was number one for me. Number two is I talked a little bit about pipeline with the original marketing engine, but after applying it, I realized I need to put the pipeline right in the middle. I missed the pipeline focus. So uh, CEOs of one of the companies I worked for said, you know, I, I need you thinking about yourself as the chief pipeline officer, not the chief marketing officer, the chief pipeline officer. And we, we talked about that and we unpacked that and that was influenced my thinking a lot. So that was number two. Number three is the importance of the scoreboard. And I uh, did not highlight this as much in the original version 1.0. 2.0 for the growth engine, the bedrock of that whole thing is, sits on top of a scoreboard. And I don't wanna uh, steal the thunder for revenue rule number two, but- um, Just go ahead and give it to us. Just give it to us right now. We'll just keep right on going. What's your second revenue so, rule? Revenue rule number two is you have to have a visible scoreboard when you're building a growth engine. Um, and, and when you're operating a growth engine, I think it's important too, but especially when you're building something that does not exist today, you must have a scoreboard uh, for all the baseball fans out there. Since we're in the World Series, like I'm in Chicago, big Cubs fan. We had one year to celebrate in the last uh, century. Beautiful scoreboard at Wrigley Field, right? You look up there and it's manually operated and it's old school. You can think of Ernie Banks in the stadium many years ago. When you look at that Wrigley Field scoreboard, you know what inning you're in and if you're winning or losing and you can see key stats that are going on in the game. The same thing applies when you're building a growth engine. 
there's nothing that'll make a CEO more uncomfortable than if they do not know what inning you're in and what the score is across all aspects of the growth. Especially in marketing. Absolutely. Because it's a mystery, right? Every, like you said, everybody thinks they know marketing, but at the end of the day, what you were doing as a marketing growth leader to build a new growth engine, very few people actually know what you're talking about. They know they need it. They know it's important. They see that all their friends have it at their, at their companies. But most people in a company, especially at the executive level, don't really know what it takes to build a demand gen engine or how product marketing ties in to creating pipeline or how your overall corporate narrative and corporate story plays in to building a growth engine or how your brand building efforts are ultimately gonna tie to pipeline. They just don't have that experience or in some cases the DNA to really think that way. So, okay, you're a new marketing leader and you come into the business and you say you're gonna build a growth engine. The best thing you can do is establish a visible scoreboard from day one and measure and communicate your progress. How are you doing at building your growth engine? What inning are you in and are you winning or losing? Um, if you do that, you will have the time to stay in your job long enough to actually finish the game. If you don't, you will probably not be in that seat with enough time to finish the game. You'll probably get yanked out of the game in the fifth or sixth inning. And I do believe that this is one of the underlying root causes of why the CMO tenure is the shortest in the C-suite. Yeah. Yeah, because absolutely. Yeah, because you don't know how to communicate success in a way that other people understand it. And there is a lot of, you know, it's difficult. I I've changed my thinking on this. You know, there's some people that can just look at marketing as a, you know, I put X amount in how much do I get out, right? It's never that simple, right? Um, people come to your website all the time, you know, at every part of the buying life cycle, right? So it's like there's the marketing's touching everything. You can't tie every single action back to a specific campaign, uh, word of mouth, like all sorts of things. It's just really hard. I mean, I certainly value what marketing does, but I know that you can't, you know, tie everything to an ROI because it's just, it's, it's, not that simple. It's not that linear of a buyer journey, uh, like sales. There's not a perfectly linear sales process. I mean, there is more so than marketing, but I can I completely appreciate why, um, you know, C-suites struggle with marketing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's not a shortage of reporting and scoreboarding at a tactical level, right? That, that you know, at an operational level, if you, if we assume that you have a well-run marketing organization, and you've already built it, and you're now operating and executing uh, a well-run marketing organization, then there's not a shortage of best practices and examples for operational level measurement and scoreboarding. Um, the thing that most people um, are missing is the strategic scoreboarding and, um, and the measurement above, you know, basic lead gen metrics, basic website traffic met metrics, basic social media metric, you know, email marketing metrics. Um, there's a million and one metrics at a tactical level and even in some cases an operational level. But the question here is, if you're trying to build a demand gen engine from scratch and there's 10 fundamental 
pillars that are required to have a demand gen engine. How are we doing that actually building that stuff? Because it all is required in order to get to the point where you can have the outcomes that you're looking for. Or when you take something like product marketing, let's say we have absolutely no product launch process today. We have no consistency around messaging. We have no consistency around materials. We may or may not have done any sort of enablement training for the sales organization. And we just really don't have a repeatable process for how we launch new innovations and bring new products to market. So if that's your current state and you're trying to build and you're trying to create a world-class product marketing function, you have some work to do at a strategic foundational level to actually be in a position to do what the organization needs you to do. And that is the black space that a lot of leaders will go into to fix that and to try to create that. And when you're in that zone of building, creating, that's the point in my experience where you need to have a very strong scoreboard with visibility to keep people updated on how that's coming. Because if you don't, and it takes you three to six months to build something that fundamentally doesn't exist, if you don't create the proper scoreboard and communicate at the right level, then people are going to assume like, what's taking so long? Or what's wrong with those guys? Like, it seems so easy. Like, you know, what, what are they doing over there? It's why is marketing having a, such a tough time launching new products? Like, come on, guys, pull it together. And so you, you know, it's part art and part science. I, I say this all the time. It's like, how do you buy time? If you're a marketing leader, how do you buy time to have an opportunity to actually build what's needed? Because organizations are impatient. Boards are impatient. You know, you go to one board meeting. By the next board meeting, they, they expect everything to be fixed. Right. You know, and some things just take more than three months to fix or build if they, if they don't exist. So the question is, how do you buy time? How do you buy the proper time for the organization to believe in what you're doing, to give you the proper time and resources for what you're doing, and as a CMO, to actually keep your job long enough so that you can actually build what it is you're trying to accomplish. And yeah. uh, all too often, I see it all the time, and it's happened to me, CMO is on the right path. They're doing all the right things. They're on month nine or month 12. And all you need is another six to nine to 12 months to wrap it up. And the board and the CEO get impatient and get antsy and pull the plug because they're not understanding where you're at in the journey and they're not liking what they're seeing, maybe because you're not showing them anything. And voila, there you go, you part ways. And then the company starts all over again. And the CEO finds the next person to come in selling the vision. And when that happens for a company, you've literally set yourself back, not just the duration of the leader who's trying to set this up. I think you've set yourself back three to four times as long as that CMO was in a seat. So CMO is in a seat for six months. You pull the plug. You've just lost 18 months to 24 months of time to actually building the growth engine that you had your heart set on. Wow. And and why do you think that's such a big step back? Like why two, like three, four times the... The, the number one reason is the, the, the pace of the business world today. So um, the, the market dynamics, the amount of funding, the competitive nature of every business, um, six months is like six years these days, right? It's like dog years in the business world. So 
every quarter, in fact, is precious time. You know, every three month quarter is what you need to accomplish as an organization. And we all have aggressive goals for the year. We're all trying to have a successful exit of the company. We're all trying to go public or get acquired or, you know, just grow like crazy. And if that's your mindset and you want to grow your company exponentially, then a quarter of time is, you know, maybe compared to three years of time uh, in the past. Right. So that's one factor. Um, you know, the other thing is, is the systems and the function, the foundational elements that a given leader and a given team are trying to get in place. Um, there is a bit of uh, switching costs, right? So you have one leader who comes in, spends six to nine months developing processes and playbooks and systems and your organization starts to adopt those and you start to configure your technology around those processes and you go out and hire people designed to implement those processes. There's a fair amount of uh, sunk cost and switching costs involved here because you part ways with the leadership and now all of a sudden you're back to square one with regards to strategy, playbook, process, technology, and people. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I mean, I can see people have different priorities. You, you know, you shift, um, you know, each leader comes in, does an assessment as to what's going on, and then charts their own path, right? And so there is a bit of a rework of whatever those things are. And so um, that will take more time. So have you gotten to a place where you've gotten to see your your growth engine kind of working where you've been, you know, maybe not at all cylinders, but, you know, like, you know, now, like, okay, I know if I can do this with this amount of time, yeah, I feel very confident that it's going to produce, you know, what I'm, I'm sharing. Like, are you, have you gotten to that point? Have you seen it in action? Um, yeah. I've got a, I've got a few clients right now where one of them, one client, we're about 70% complete on building the growth engine another client's early stages so we're only about 30 percent complete in building a growth engine with another and um it's still early days because we haven't really completed the swing yet on completely building the growth engine with these two clients but i can tell you the early indication right now is very positive and compelling the immediate short-term results have gone way up in terms of demand gen you know, five to 10 times the uh, quality of demand gen. Um, in the pipeline creation side of things, I have one client that had a goal for X number of meetings and new opportunities in the first six months of the year. And at the end of the day, they ended up with four times the number of opportunities versus the goal that they set at the beginning of the year in a six month period. Um, and a lot of that result, a lot of that outcome was driven by having this complete growth engine up and running. So in micro slivers, I'm seeing the results. I'm seeing very positive outcomes. And um, it, it is a little bit of early days for some of these newer companies I'm working with to truly apply the latest incarnation of the growth engine framework. But so far, so good. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. Because I think that's what you know, that becomes your secret sauce, right? I think what you're starting to do is put together a very, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways people can maybe 
achieve success in marketing. Um, but I think having a clear vision of what that path is, is oftentimes, like you said, the, the, the real battle because you need to keep score against it. You need to defend off all the other shiny objects that come along and, and um, fight for your attention. But being able to yeah. just, you know, stay on track and communicate that, I think, is, you know, a big portion as to why, you know, this would be successful. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned at the beginning, my ultimate goal of creating my own company someday. So imagine if there was a software platform designed to do everything we've been talking about um, that had really that pipeline first, um, you know, playbook built in and did provide the ability to have that visible scoreboard that we were talking about around actually building the growth engine. Um, I've yet to see a piece of software that looks at it from that lens with that kind of strategic approach. But um, I do wonder if there's a need and an opportunity for a, a new software platform to come along that um, automates and integrates everything we've been talking about. We shall see. More to come on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, keep us keep us posted on that. That'd be really interesting to see, especially as a software guy. I always like, uh, you know, that's my area I play in. But Mark, how'd you get into marketing? Mm -hmm. You know, how how did you start your journey? Yeah, I studied entrepreneurship at the University of Iowa. Love the uh, John Papa John Entrepreneurial Center. Have uh, great experiences and memories there. My first few jobs out of college were very entrepreneurial. I had my own, my own consulting business called Tack Point Group. I actually keep the website up for nostalgic purposes. So if anyone wants a good laugh, go to um, tackpointgroup.com. I designed that website myself with front page like 26 years ago. Um, but I had a consulting business that helped entrepreneurs create their marketing and business plans and get ready to raise capital and really start their companies. And my last client, um, when I ripped at the business plan and investor presentation materials for them, they said, you know, Mark, you got to come on board and help us implement this plan. And I said, okay, what do you have in mind? Am I going to be director of operations, director of strategy, director of marketing? Like, what do you want me to do? And they said, I don't know. Why don't we call you our director of marketing? I was like, okay, that sounds good. And that was really my first forte into a head of marketing role. At the time, I had never done it. Um, the company certainly was taking a risk on me as a young, fresh out of college person who'd never done this before. Mm -hmm. And that was really the beginning of a series of learning and failing and learning and failing and learning and failing to get to where I am now through a series of CMO marketing leadership roles. Wow. And so one just led to the next, which led to the next, and and sounds like you had a nice exit there along the way, which is always um, a nice career milestone. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, never never enough of them, but um, can't wait for the next one. And you know, we just take our careers one step at a time, right? Always with big goals and big ambitions, but um, certainly want to take things one step at a time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where can we follow you, Mark? Uh, on LinkedIn, you know, look me up on LinkedIn um, under my name, obviously. And then on Twitter, um, at Mark Tack on Twitter. And, you know, reach out to me. Would love to connect. Shoot me an email. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. And let's keep this conversation going. 
Awesome. And I'll put a link to the ebook um, here on the podcast so everybody can get to it very easily. I want to check that out myself. Um, so thank you for your time. It's been a uh, really insightful conversation. Um, you know, I think what I really took away from today, you know, I talked to other marketing leaders and to me, stage of business is important, right? Because I'm in the construction, right? As a VC, venture-backed software company, a lot of everything has to be built, right? And so obviously taking over a big marketing department is very different than building one. And so yeah. this was just really applicable to me just because I um, am in that process of, of trying to construct the marketing and, and, and growing the sales organization and that growth engine in, in some sort of coordinated fashion. I know there's much more talented people to, to do it than I. Um, so I took away a lot just about how to think about construction right of these of these functions absolutely and, and uh i i do measure pipeline as my own you know from a sales standpoint just how much pipeline did we create um regardless of kind of where it originates but just i agree pipeline is the biggest indicator of of future closed deals right as we all know but um so that resonated with me as well so thank you again uh, hopefully we can get you back absolutely. on the, the revenue hustle again and um Appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Tom. Thank you for tuning in to The Revenue Hustle. This episode has been brought to you by Nine Lenses. Close more deals with interactive assessments. Check them out at ninelenses.com. See you next time.